0: Matthew chapter thir- 16, starting with verse 13, and it reads as follows. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that, how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again on the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan! Thou art an offense to me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then saith Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste death, till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom." Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your words here. Be with me as I try to speak your words, to share your message, to inspire this congregation, to continue to strive toward your holiness, toward your teaching, toward your doctrine, toward you, God. May this be the hope and prayer of all of us here today. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last time, which is a month ago, we started talking about what I wanted to talk about, right? Which is our relationship with the church. But before I got started on that, I said, well, we better talk about what the church is first. And in typical fashion, I talk too long, right? So here we go again. We have a really long outline. I don't think we'll be able to finish the whole thing today. But we try, we try to talk about what is the church? What is our relationship with the church? This stuff should be, should be elementary, right? Hopefully, you all know this. Some of you guys have been coming out of the church for decades, literally decades, right? But every once in a while, we need a reminder, lest we forget these basics. Because that's what we need sometimes, the fundamentals, to know, right? To know. And... For some of you college people, especially some of you guys recent graduates, maybe you're going off for school next year, maybe this makes sense to you, if you go off somewhere, maybe you go find a new church, maybe this will help you in figure out what does it mean to be a church, what is the regular, standard, ordinary church. Let's recap what we talked about last time. Last time I talked about in general how the church is not a building. It's not a set of traditions. It's not, oh, we have stained glass windows or whatever. It's not what popular culture says is the church. Church just talks about the people. The people who believe in Jesus Christ. That's right. If you're saved, you're part of the church. The church is a huge entity headed up by Jesus himself. Right? That's what the church is. Plain and simple. Now, of course, we know that on a practical basis, on a practical basis, because There are millions of Christians all over the world. The church doesn't meet all together in one place, right? The church meets in many local assemblies, right? But the idea is that the local church should just be a small subset of that greater church, right? They're all part of God's church. Churches should all be the same, right? Part of this bigger overall thing. But unfortunately, things have evolved to the point where we know that's not the case. Right? In fact, I gave the example last time. Someone came up to you today and asked you, Oh, hey, what church should I go to? That becomes a head-scratching question, right? Oh, maybe think carefully before you give an, I give you an advice, right? Well, think about it. Wouldn't it be nice if we just say, Oh, go to any building that has the word church written on it, and there you go. Easy, right? If it says church, it is a good place. That would be my hope. But we know it's not. There's a lot of churches nowadays that have gone off in their own directions. And then a lot of stuff that's gotten away from what the Bible teaches about what a church ought to be, what a church should be. And that's why we looked at these verses here that we just read. Because it's where Jesus himself uses the word church. It's where Jesus himself talks about the church establishing the church. So obviously Jesus should know something about it. He's the head of the church after all. Right? The modern day church, Right? moves away from all these things doesn't care about what jesus said right they want to focus on their own thing right they want to try to make it you know you see you see it nowadays you look at some of the other church. they try to make it a big event or a spectacle they want to be like something new new age right cutting edge right New developments. They want to be like the new spectacular church or whatever. You can think about whatever things that they say about themselves or talk about themselves in their marketing or whatever. But this is the pitch that they give out there, right? This is different. This is new. This is whatever, right? This is great. I don't know. Whatever they say. But when they do that stuff and they go away from what the basics are, the fundamentals are, then they're going down the wrong path. Let's say this about... Chinese Bible Church, right? This is not a great place. This is not an amazing place. It's not a new age place. It's not a cutting age place. I wouldn't say any of that stuff, right? right? We don't have fabulous, exciting speakers. No, I'm not that good. Let's be honest. Melvin and Nathan, they're not that good, right? They're not, we're not great speakers here. We don't have like a, a fancy building, right? This is not like a, a fabulous you know, humongous new mega church or anything like that, right? We don't have, like, all these amenities or whatever. But, you know, I don't think that matters. Because what does God want? God just wants to have an ordinary church. And I can proudly say that we're pretty ordinary. I have nothing special. And I would wish that there'd be more churches out there that could say that, "Eh, we're nothing special. We just do what God says the best we can. Right, do what we can, and that's it. Do our best to follow Jesus. But instead, we get a lot of churches that go in the different direction nowadays. And we talked about a little bit about this last time when we got into last time's message. Because we wanted to describe what the ordinary church is. And there were a few points that I wanted to raise. Right? The first one was this. When we see what Jesus said in those verses we read there, right, what was the question that he asked his disciples? The question he asked them is like, who do you say I am? And the right answer, the one that Peter gave, was that thou art Christ, right? You're the Messiah, right? The son of the living God. And that's the answer that Jesus recognizes right. That was the statement that made Jesus says, this is the rock, that statement that he will build his church, right? This is his church. Build that on. Jesus Christ is the center of the church. That's what he made clear from the very beginning. This is my church. This is Jesus' church. It's not about anybody else. A lot of churches today, they wanna make it about you, right? Oh, you know, we have our Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. This will help you get over your addiction, right? Oh, we're gonna have this fun event For you, right? And we're going to do whatever it is, you know, that all these, the new church, we're going to build all these nice amenities, the fancy new auditorium for you, right? Church is all focused on how can we make it cool for you. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Don't care about any of these other things. The most important thing that the church ought to have is Christ. Christ is all the church is supposed to be focused on right people sometimes ask norman why do you guys always talk so much about jesus at church well we got to that's what this is jesus church that's what we got to talk about him right we're not talk about anything else right we're not here to talk about you know you know some political issues or some whatever other junk right no we're here to talk about jesus christ that's the most important thing if a church does not have Jesus Christ as its head and the center of its teaching, of its preaching, of its evangelism, of everything, that church is doing it wrong. Right? When you have people like the, uh, the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Catholic Church, they're doing it wrong because they want to add something else. Oh, we want to follow the Pope. We want to follow some other teaching or whatever. No, no, no. We're going to follow Jesus Christ. It's got to be Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. Christ-centered worship, Christ-centered music, Christ-centered Bible study. It's all about Christ. Second point we raised last time was that the ordinary church just communicates the truth, right? Jesus, when he was talking talking about these truths with Peter, we read in those verses there, right? How strong is this? That belief that came from trusting in God's word, right? Well, Jesus' word, to be exact, when he was talking to Peter. What do he say in verse 18? How strong is it? It says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When that word was revealed to Peter, that's how strong it is. That's how significant God's word is. And, just a couple of weeks ago, you heard the whole Nathan message about the Bible, which is God's word, right? So I don't need to go that much into it, because Nathan spoke on it recently, right? About how Every church's foundation, in addition to having Christ as its head, has to have the Bible as its basis, right? That so much should be obvious, right? It should be obvious. You're here to learn about the Bible. You're here to hear the teaching of the Bible, to be guided by the Bible. Pastor's jobs, speaker's jobs, Sunday school teacher's jobs are to guide you in the Bible, right? It's not about all these new age things nowadays where, oh, you know, we're here to, you know, tell you about how I feel or to tell you a funny story or whatever about my life or whatever. No, no, no. We're here to tell you about Jesus. We're here to tell you about God's word, the Bible, right? Nowadays, people don't want to hear that sometimes, maybe, right? It's more fun to hear the story. It's more fun to hear about, you know, some other unrelated thing, right? That's not what the church should be about. The church should be about sharing his word. You know, there's a reason why we don't teach from other books. Not that I'm against, you know, some of these like devotional books that you guys read and that I've read before, right? But when it comes to Sunday school, when it comes to church, the church should be focused on his word, right? Right? not about some other book. When you go to some other book, you might wind up like the Mormons, right? Oh, we have the Book of Mormon or whatever, right? And you're going on the wrong path. You're doing it wrong, right? If a church doesn't focus on teaching the Bible, if the church doesn't care that you read your Bible, if the church doesn't care that you know about the Bible, that church is doing it wrong. That's not what the ordinary church should be like. All right, so that's what we studied last time. This time we're going to point number three. Ordinary church is disconnected from worldly things. Disconnected from worldly things. We read in verse number 22, 21, 22, and 23, this little exchange between Jesus and Peter. Jesus starts explaining in 21, about what's going to happen to him, we know this, right? That he's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to suffer many things, right? He's going to be killed. He's going to be raised again on the third day. We know that's what, what was going to happen. We know that that's what did happen. But what is Peter's reaction when he hears this? What's Peter's reaction? He says this. He says, "No, that's not going to happen, Jesus. No, no, no. You're going to, you know." He says he he rebuked him. Can you imagine that? Rebuking Jesus, your king, the son of God, right? He's saying, Jesus, you're wrong, right? This is not gonna happen. Implication is, oh, we'll protect you here. You'll be great. None of that's gonna happen like that, right? What is Jesus' reaction when Peter says that? Verse 23, he says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. That's a strong statement from Jesus, right? That's really saying, you are wrong, Peter. Get behind me, Satan thou savoreth not the things that be of god but those that be of men peter you're focusing on your own life and your own things right you just want me to be around here because you want to do all this stuff on earth you don't understand what god wants we all know now with the benefit of having the whole bible god wanted jesus to die on the cross god wanted jesus to be raised three days later because that's how we get salvation peter didn't understand that He couldn't see God's things are more important than his own selfish needs. Like, oh, I want you to be around, Jesus. I want to keep you alive. You're going to be here ministering and helping me, right? He's focusing on this world and not thinking about the greater sense. God's church has to, has to think about the greater spiritual sense, God's world, and not this world, the earthly world, the dying world. But today, too many churches focus on this place. And this place, we know, is temporary. We're not going to be here forever. Certainly not. But so much time, effort, and energy goes into that right now. Look at how many churches focus on things like power and politics and things like that, right? We spend our time, they spend their time doing political activism, right? And again, there could be good reasons for it. There's nothing to say that, oh, that this doesn't It might make sense that these things they're fighting for are not necessarily bad things but they spend so much time fighting against well you name it right you hear about churches we're fighting against racism fighting for equality we're fighting against certain laws right we're fighting against who knows what you hear churches advocate about all sorts of things nowadays even down to you know Minuscule things like how much taxes you ought to pay, right? Or how certain regulations should be. All these things. That becomes the focus of these certain churches, right? And you see their leaders. They go on TV. They give speeches. They endorse political candidates and all this kind of stuff like that. They are wasting their time. That's not what the church's job is. The church's job is not to get involved in all these campaigns just to make this world a little bit better, Right? Our job is to do the work of Christ so that things are better in eternity, right? You could be the church that, act, that, that goes and, uh, and fights against racism every single day, your regular Martin Luther King Jr. And you might make it that you improve race relations in your community by, let's say, 10%. Wow, great accomplishment, right? 10% better. Guess what? Everyone that got that 10% benefit is going to die. And it won't matter anymore. It will not matter. That for a temporary time on Earth, well, racism got a little bit better here on Earth, didn't it, right? It's not going to matter to people. You will all be dead. What will matter? What will matter is eternity. That when we die, are we going to go to heaven where there's equality forever 100% equality you don't need to worry about racism in heaven there's nothing like that there it's forever great that's eternal that's thinking like how God wants us to think we think of the internal scale not just oh we need to fix this now that's why we don't waste our times going on you know the church doesn't waste its time going on political rallies and fighting and elections and all this stuff like that it's all temporary Like I said, those aren't necessarily bad things that people are fighting for. Let those people that care and are so passionate about fight for that. We fight for souls. We fight for the eternal good, right? Just like Melvin mentioned this morning, right? You're talking about all these shooters and stuff. Wouldn't it be great if churches fought for gun control and things like that? Doesn't matter. More important, hey, if you get more people saved, there wouldn't be the issue of, oh, there's going to be a school shooting or whatever, right? We would just have Jesus to guide us. We'd follow his word to get people into the ordinary church. Politics don't matter. If your church follows politics and getting power and influence and all that kind of stuff, church is doing it the wrong way. Even stuff like health and wealth, like such fundamental things. Don't people care about that, right? Does not everybody here want to be healthy, wealthy, and all this kind of thing like that? Doesn't matter those are also temporary things. Those are temporary things that go away. Yet, despite that fact, the largest church in the United States today, I believe, is the Joel Osteen Church in Houston, Texas, right? And that church teaches what? The church church does not teach Jesus and submit to Jesus. That church teaches that, oh, God gives us prosperity and health and wealth and all these things. Their focus is on that, right? Their focus is oh, this is how you can get rich following Jesus. That's wrong. That's false. That's not right. That's a focus on a corruptible prize, is it not? Focusing on how much wealth you have. Focusing on all these earthly things. That's not what God wants. That's not what the church should be about. The church is not a method for us to make sure that, oh, we get blessed and get a lot of money. No. The church is about submission to Jesus Christ. And who cares how much money we have? Who cares if we have good health or not? We know that in the end, Jesus is taking care of us. We know that God doesn't promise any of that stuff to us. That's what the Bible teaches. If you were really teaching the Bible, you know, there's no guarantee of that. Christians, they can have bad health, they can die. It happens. We know it. We know it. Christians, they're not rich. I know you guys this audience. I don't think many of you guys here are very rich, right? I'm not very rich, right? We know that's true. We know God blesses us still, but it doesn't have to be in that way. The church should not strive for things like social activism, political advocacy, health, and wealth, and all these things. Instead, we follow Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, all that other stuff just comes in line, right? Jesus meets our needs. Whatever it is we need. That's what God wants us to have. That's the way God wants this church to be, the ordinary, regular church focused on that. All right. Point number 4. What is the characteristic of the church? The church also is marked by conflict. Conflict. This is something weird, right? If you go in a church and you see everybody's happy and they all get along and no one's in arguments and disputes or whatever, that church might be doing it wrong. They say, this is weird, right? How can this be true, right? You're saying a church has conflicts? Yes. Churches are supposed to be a place of conflict because we are at war. The church is at war. Who we are at war with? We are at war with Satan. We are at war with Satan. And when you're at war with someone, you don't play nice. You can't just be, you know, buddies with your enemy, right? When we get into the churches that are doing it wrong, what are they doing? They are the ones that are trying to play nice with Satan, right? The true church understands conflict and the need for conflict. And we'll battle for the truth. We'll battle for what's right. The new age church says, we don't want to offend anybody. We want everyone to be happy, right? Let's all get along, right? But guess what? If we're really doing God's work, sometimes we are not gonna get along. When the Muslim comes up to you and says, yes, I believe in Allah and Muhammad and stuff. Oh, the new age church might say to him, Oh, that's great. Wonderful. Great. That's your belief. You go to it. What does God say? God says we have the tough job. We have the tough job of saying, Mr. Muslim, you are wrong. You might believe in that, but that's a wrong belief. Is that going to lead to conflict? Oh, you bet. People don't like to hear that. That's not a happy thing. That leads to conflict. Oh, you're wrong. You believe in something that's not true. You need to believe in Jesus Christ. That's not a happy thing right? That's the thing that's going to lead to strife. That's the one that's going to get you argued at, right? But that's what God wants, doesn't it? We can't just say, oh, you know, the world, you believe in all these things. It's okay, right? Look out in the world today. Oh, now we have, you know, like all this, um, you know, loosening on things like, things like homosexuality, for example, right? New Age Church says, oh, you know, we don't offend people. If that's what you want to do, that's fine, right? We're all happy here together. Well, no, the ordinary church ought to speak up for what the Bible says and teach things that might sound uncomfortable That say, oh, well, homosexuality is a sin, you know? I'm sorry, that's just the Bible truth, right? Doesn't sound good to you, right? Other people might look, be, say, oh, that's such a controversial statement or whatever. Well, that's our job. Our job is to make these controversial statements, to stand up for the truth. To fight against all these statements out there in the world. The church that just focuses on, we don't want to offend everybody, isn't do it wrong. Even among Christians, even among Christians inside the church, there ought to be conflict because we ought to be able to say to one another, you are doing it wrong. If you see me doing some sin, I expect someone here would come to me and say, hey, Norman, you're doing it wrong. Oh, well, is that uncomfortable? Of course! No one likes to say to someone like, hey, you know, stop doing that, right? But hey, that's our job here. We can't just say, oh, so you stop going to church? Oh, that's fine. No, it's up to us to encourage each other. Like, hey, I know it doesn't sound good, but you know, God commands us to go to church. You better go to church, right? I'm your friend here. I'm supporting you, right? That's what this community is supposed to be about. That's what a church is supposed to do with each other. Yeah? It could lead to conflicts. I don't like you telling me what to do, right? I don't like you telling me that I'm sinning or doing something wrong. guess what? That's what we're supposed to do. That's what a church is supposed to be like. An ordinary church has conflicts, believe it or not. That conflicts is a part of it. You know, some of you college folks, especially you new college folks are about to go up to college. Some people ask me about some of these fellowships that they have on campus. And one of the fellowships people ask me about, and one of the ones I never recommend to anyone, even though it's the largest one, is called the Inner Varsity Fellowship. Have you guys heard of this before, college people? Inner Varsity, right? They're like the biggest one on campus, on all the college campuses. They have one everywhere. Why don't I recommend them? Why? Because, you know, people, after all, people tell me that, oh, I saw the Inner Varsity meeting. They have hundreds of people, all denominations, all people to get there. They seem like they're having fun and they're happy. What's wrong with going to their fellowship? And why don't I like the Inner Varsity Fellowship? I don't like them because, precisely because they have so many people and they all get together and they just focus on, just being happy and not offending anyone, right? Remember, they have all denominations. They welcome everything and they, and so their teaching, such that there is whatever teaching there is, has got to be the most vanilla, generic thing, lest they offend someone, right? So let's talk about something even so simple like baptism. Oh. Well, this church, they believe in baptism by, you know, sprinkling. This church believes in pouring. This one believes in infant baptism. This one believes rightfully in full baptism immersion by people who understand, right? Well, if you go to the university, can they talk about that at all? Well, not really, because if you did, then you'd have people arguing all the time, right? Like, oh, my church believes this, my church believes that. So they can't do that. So what do they wind up doing? They have to talk about really generic stuff. Really lame stuff. Are you really worshipping God when, you're, when, you're, when, you're, when your fellowship is marked like that? No, 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 no. To avoid conflict, they've avoided the truth. They've got to avoid conflict, right? They're big. They want to make everyone happy. Well, sometimes you've got to make people unhappy if you're speaking the truth. The ordinary church has conflicts. So why is the church so significant? So that's the characteristics of the church. We've run out those four points. Why is it significant? Why is it important? It's important because the church is the only entity that God is building on earth. We read it in the verses. Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Build this in the present tense. It's something that God is doing, Jesus is doing, He continues to build it. The church continues to grow every day. More and more people are added to the church. This is the only thing God's building. God isn't building anything else. There's no other entity, no other structure, right? All the other organizations are either created by man or created by Satan, right? Everything else out there, your uh, political organizations, your other religious organizations, your industrial, commercial organizations, those are all constructs of people or or even of Satan, right? You talk about these other religions, right? They're all constructed by these other things. Not God. God is, only one, God is only building one thing. His focus is only on one thing. And that is the church. You say, I want to get close to God. You're not going to find God in the government. You're not going to find God in your work. You're not going to find God in your school. The only place to find God, the only place where God is working, is right here in the church. That's why we got to know about it. That's why we got to be here. If you want to be with God, you want to find God, this is the place, nowhere else. The church also is the only thing that is everlasting. All those other places, all those other things built by men, built by Satan, they will disappear one day. No matter how long standing your government is, guess what, one day that government will be gone. No matter how long this company lasted in the past, that company could be gone in an instant or this building, or this, uh, you know, other religion. They could come and go. The church is the only thing that is from everlasting to everlasting. We had the church from the beginning with God, and in the future with God. The church exists now. The church will exist in heaven. Because remember, the church is just the people. All the people believe in Christ. That's right. We will have church in heaven. Church will be Everlasting. Church is for all time. So church is important. It doesn't go away. It doesn't end. That's why we care about it. That's why it's significant. So what should our relationship to the church be like? Maybe this is the last thing we'll talk about a little bit today. The church ought to be our life. We read in verse number 24 when he's talking about to his disciples, after just talking about the church what is he saying verse 24 if any man will come after me so you want to follow me what does he say you must go uh, you will let him deny himself and take up his cross you have to take up your cross to follow jesus take up your cross to follow jesus that's the standard for us how do we how do we follow jesus how how do we interact as his followers in his church we have to bear his cross That implies to us a full giving of ourselves to Jesus. Because on that cross, what did Jesus do? He gave his whole life for us, did he not? And to follow him in his footsteps, we need to give our lives to him, too. That means that the church is not just the place we go on Sundays. It's not just the building. It's where we spend our whole life. We give our life to the church. The church ought to be the place where we have our love, where we learn stuff, where we worship, where we serve. Is it not true? It's not true for me, right? Where's, where's the place where I have all my loved ones? In church, right? My family. Shouldn't our family be in church with us? Shouldn't our good friends be in church with us? That's where our love ought to be. Where's the things, place that we learn our most important lessons? Should not it be at church? All that stuff you learn in school, All that's meaningless, right? What good is it that you learn your calculus or your biology or your organic chemistry? That's meaningless. The real stuff we learn is right here. This is the place where we have real worship, is it not? Where we gather together as a congregation and we honor and glorify Jesus Christ. This is the place where we really work, where we really serve. We might work during the week at our job, but that's just for money. That's not our fulfillment. We don't get fulfillment from doing whatever it is. We get a paycheck. We get no paycheck here from serving God, do we? But I sure get a lot of fulfillment. That should be us here. The church ought to have our soul. Ought to have our heart, our mind, our body. We give ourselves to the church as Jesus gave himself for us. We follow in his footsteps. We follow his example. And when we do that, the church meets our needs, does it not? The church meets our needs. That every desire, true desire, true longing, should be met by the church. You need companionship, you need love, you need someone to guide you in times of trouble. You need that need met. It's right here. You're down, you need help. The church meets your needs. Jesus meets your needs. That's the way he set it up, and that's the way he wanted it. The church ought to be the center of our life, not just a part of our life. Next time, we'll continue on with more about how we act in reference to the church. But we're out of time right now. Once again, too long-winded, as I predicted. But let's bow forward a prayer. Dear God, thank you for giving us uh, Jesus' words here on the church and about how church should be like. You know, if we're ever looking for a church, we know what it should be like, hopefully. And now we know why it's so important and how it ought to be the center of our life. That's how important it is. God, help us with that. Help us understand that. Help us to live that. And help us next time when we continue this, To learn more about your great church and how we ought to be in it and serving in it and loving it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.